take your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We just have one verse this morning. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. It is sin that causes you not to be able to sing. It is sin that causes you not to be able to get a blessing out of church or a spirit-filled song. It is sin that causes the Word of God to be dull in your life and have no effect. And the truth this morning is we're all infected with this disease. But the answer for it is found in the very next verse. Verse 5 says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. So we're going to do something this morning that's not done in the average pulpit or the average church in America. We're going to speak from the Bible about what it says about our sin. We're going to be defining sin this morning, and our verse does that for us in verse 4. And I want to say this at the start. You know, you don't get to define what sin is. It is not your place or my place to say what sin is or sin is not. It's, it's God that gets to define that. The God that made me, the God that made you, the God that made the world, the God that wrote the Bible. He is the one that tells us what is right and what is wrong. It is not something that society defines. In every generation of man, there is a redefinition of what is a sin. But it's not society's place. It's not society's privilege to be able to define what is sin. The majority opinion of the world or of people, they do, you don't get to vote on what is sin and what is not sin. It matters not what your opinion is about it. It doesn't matter what my opinion. It doesn't matter what the culture says is right or wrong. Somewhere down the line, people need to acknowledge that the God of this world is the one that defines the sin for us. You may disagree with him, but he's right. He's right. And he'll always be right. And so our verse begins to define sin for us. Sin is not what your parents say it is. Sin is not what Washington, D.C. says it is. Sin is not what you think it might be. You know, it's not just the... Positive, it's also the negative. Some people could think something is a sin that God never said was a sin. As well as people saying that things aren't sins that God surely declares to be so. But I'm just trying to, to, to put a foundation here. It is God that defines what sin is in our lives. And the first thing I want to look at this morning is... When he says in verse number 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. First thing I want to talk to you about real briefly is, is the destructiveness of sin, how sin is destructive. 
because if you don't think it's a big deal, then it's not going to be a big deal if you do it. Okay, sin is the transgression of the law, so what? Well, there's a big so what with that because the first thing the sin destroys in our life is the previous verse. Would you see verse 3? And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. The first thing that sin does, it destroys your purity. It destroys the purity of your mind. It destroys the purity of your heart. It destroys the purity of your decisions. It destroys the purity of your conscience. Oh, the blessedness of an innocent child. Right? A child that doesn't even really understand what is right and wrong. Just an innocent little, <clears throat> little child that seemingly there's, there's no evil thought there. And that doesn't mean that the child's not a sinner. But the, the, in the innocence of that child, before they can understand those things, they, they have no, uh, you, at, a, at a small enough age, they have no ulterior motives. They're just a child. The innocence that is there. But as we grow older, that purity is destroyed. That purity of thought is destroyed. So the first thing I'd say, how sin is so destructive, it will destroy your purity. It'll destroy your purity. We see that all around us. The second thing we see about the destructiveness of sin, it doesn't just destroy your purity. It just flat out kills you. Sin kills you. One of the famous verses in all the Bible, you know it, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Is death. He said in Romans chapter 8, he says, he, he talks about if, if you sin, you're going to die. You're going to die. There's a consequence. It kills you. And every time we sin against God, something dies in us that's really good. Now, we know that sin causes eternal death and damnation forever in hell. <clears throat> the wages of sin is death. There's a payment for that. It kills us. But sin not only kills the soul, the soul that sinneth it shall die. The sin also kills all types of things. It kills marriage. It kills society. It, it kills decency. It destroys families. The third thing I'd say to you about sin is Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says your, your sins and your iniquities have separated, separated between you and your God. Sin separates you from God. Sin keeps God at an arm's length away from you. Now he doesn't want it to be that way, but there's not a person in here that's fellowshipping with God if you've got unconfessed sin in your life. There is no fellowship there. And you can have God in you and God not fellowshipping with you. Sin keeps God at an arm's distance. That's why, you know, there's no sin that's going to be in heaven, not even one little sin. I mean, can you imagine if God let sin into heaven? I mean, it would just be as bad a place as it is down here. It would just take a little time. And that's why he's got to totally take away our sin. And, and to go to heaven, he's got to do that. All sin has to be removed. And it, it will be in the rapture or it will be in the resurrection. It certainly will be when we cast off the, the bodies of this flesh. <clears throat> I just want to tell you that sin is destructive. And you will not get by. None of us. It doesn't matter. Amen. From the pulpit to the pew to a teenager to a young adult to 
an 80-year-old person that's in this building, there is no one that can escape the destructiveness of sin. It doesn't matter how many years you've done right. Sin will destroy you if you do wrong. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. So don't ever get the idea, well, you know, I've, I've been a good boy. I've been a good person for so long. And so I've got merit and I've got brownie points with God to do something. That's not right. It'll destroy you just like it destroy anybody else. Well, that's the destructiveness of sin. Let's, let's talk about the definition. What is sin? We just said we don't get to define it. Our verse, verse number four says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is, here's the definition, sin is the transgression of the law. So if God in his book of law, if he says don't do this and you do it, you've transgressed it, you've gone beyond it, it's a sin. If he says in his law, this is what you are to do and you do not do it, you sin. When God puts in his book something and we don't follow by the book, we've sinned. When we don't live by God's book, we have sinned against God. That's why he gave us a book. He gave us a book so we know what's right and wrong, so we know what's expected to us. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, but that's not the only definition of sin. In chapter 5, would you turn over there in 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. God gives several definitions of sin in his word. I'll give you four verses that define sin for you. It'll really cover them all. Now, when we were growing up as children, we asked, and we will even have to do that this week, I'm sure, in Bible school, some child will come to us and talk to us about getting saved or whatnot. And the first question we'll have to ask, are you a sinner? And then if they say yes, we'll have to ask them, what is sin? You know, you can't get saved if you don't even know what sin is. If you don't understand you're a sinner, you don't, you, Christ came to the world to save sinners. He didn't come in the world to save people that don't even know what that means. So we have to understand what sin is in the Bible. And as a little child, we'd grow up and say, well, sin's all the bad things we do. <laughs> I wish it was that simple. Because <laughs> sin is not just all the bad. That, that certainly is sin. Bad things are sin. But that's not all God's definition of sin. He said it's the transgression of the law, but in chapter 5, verse 17, he said, all unrighteousness is sin. In other words, anything that's not right is a sin. <coughs> if it's unrighteous, it's sinful. How many times have you heard somebody say, oh, what's wrong with this? You know, that's the wrong question. Why don't you ask what's right with it? What is right and holy and good about it? Because sin is not just the bad things. Sin is anything that is not right. All unrighteousness is sin, he says. Then go back just a few pages toward the front of your Bible in the book of James, just a few pages. And we get a third definition of sin in James chapter 4. You probably know it. And when we evaluate our lives, we've got to run all these verses through there. And when we look for sin in our own heart, <coughs> we need to run all these things through here. James chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. 
So sin is not just bad things you do. Sin is failing to do good things. If you know it's good and you don't do it, it's a sin. <coughs> Question. Is reading the Bible good? Is that good? So if you don't do it, what is it? Probably most people wouldn't, didn't come into church this morning thinking that they should have confessed the sin of not reading the Scripture. Is it good to pray? Are we told to pray? So when I don't do that, what is it? It's a sin. Is it good to witness, tell people the truth of the gospel? Is that a good thing? So if I fail to do that, what's that called? It's these sins of omission. The Bible tells us to, by love, serve one another. Are we supposed to be serving one another? Is that a good thing? So if we don't do that, what is that? I really think we're, we're eat up with sin in so many places, but we've justified thinking it's not so bad because my life is not like that person and my life is not like that person. And I can't see the bad things that are in my heart that are bad because I failed to do the good that I'm to do. You see, that's why we come into church and we don't have the right spirit. There's sin there. And, and it's, not just, it's not that I laid out last night and I got drunk. It's the sins in my life of the good things that I failed to do that I knew I should have done. That quenched the blessed spirit of God and caused the Lord to be grieved, you see. Go to Romans 14. He doesn't stop there. The last definition of sin of the Bible. We'll get back to our text with the definition, but because I'm not through with that one. <clears throat> I'm afraid that that more people brought in their sin with them today than they brought the Spirit of God in with them today. And when I say that, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make everybody depressed. This is the place to come with your sin. You can get taken care of. The, the problem is, the biggest problem is not that we're sinners. We're all sinners. The problem is we don't do anything about it. We look over it and pass over and ignore it. Romans 14, verse 23, the Bible tells us this in defining sin. Romans 14, 23, And he that doubteth is down to the eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is what? I'll never forget Dr. Bob Jones Sr. He died the year I was born, in 1968. But that old man of God said so many salient things and one of the things he said and it came right from the understanding of this text he said if it's doubtful it's dirty i never forgot that if it's doubtful it's dirty if you can't pray over it then you better not do it if you can't by faith say lord i want you to bless this activity god i want you to bless while i'm going to watch this movie with 400 curse words in it would you bless it please You can't do that. You can't do that by faith. 
There are so many things in our lives that we don't do by faith. He says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. What a definition that we find throughout the Word of God. Now, our text is, our definition is, sin is the transgression of the law. Go to James chapter 2. Now, the thing that we do many times is you say, well, I've just done that once or twice, you see. That's why many times we witness to people and they they don't see themselves as as guilty before God because they don't think they've done enough sin. They've not transgressed enough times to be so bad of a person. But when God says sin is the transgression of the law, that means if I cross this Bible one time, I'm a sinner. It's not a habitual practice that makes me a sinner. I'll just read it for you. James chapter 2, watch it. Excuse me. James chapter 2, verse number 9. He says, but if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin. What about that? What about that sin? Showing favoritism to people. Having prejudicial views and ideas. Are we in the Bible? If you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as what? Transgressors. Look at the next verse. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is what? He is guilty of all. It only takes one transgression of the law to make me a sinner. And if I offend one part of the law, then I've offended all parts of the law. It's not that, well, I bore false witness, but I didn't commit adultery, so I'm all right. No, the law is a unit. And if you break and you transgress the law, you're a transgressor. He said in the next verse, for he that said, do not commit adultery. He said, well, I've not done that. Uh, he said also, do not kill. She had people just, well, I never killed anybody. Well, the law has a whole lot more to say than just don't kill nobody. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. In other words, if you do part of the law and you don't do all of it, you're still a transgressor. And you can look at the murderers and you say, I haven't murdered. But if you're an adulterer, you are a transgressor like that guy's a transgressor. Romans chapter 13, what is it? Boy, the law says a lot of things. He says in Romans chapter 13, <coughs> sin is the transgression of the law. That's why it's good to read all of the Bible. You can understand how God defines sin. Romans chapter 13, and we don't even have to go to the Ten Commandments. We can read the New Testament. I mean, he said in Romans chapter 13, verse 9, For this thou shalt not commit adultery. You know people don't think that's wrong anymore. They don't think that's a sin. They don't even believe that's a sin. But that's what God says. Thou shalt not kill little babies or old people. Yeah. Thou shalt not steal from your job, from your parents, from rich people. You know, one of the, one of the most fascinating movies that people like or, or stories or fictionalized things, Robin Hood, to steal from the rich and give to the poor. Rob from the rich, right? Oh, that's funny. No, it's a sin. wrong 
Thou shalt not bear false witness. <laughs> Thou shalt not covet. Man. All that's a sin. And then he says, Thou shalt love the neighbors thyself. You say, Well, you know, preacher, I don't commit adultery and I don't covet. Or I don't know anybody that covet, but you can say that if you want to. I don't steal. Or, but when we don't love our... And he didn't just say love your neighbor. He didn't even... <laughs> the book says love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. How many of us have said, preacher, I've not transgressed the law. I love people as much as I love me. You know you're a liar. You love you and you love your family and you love your grandchildren a whole lot more than you love your neighbor. But we don't look at that as a sin. We think we're all right. And then we wonder why there's so much broken in our lives. I mean, there's, I've said it so many times. There's so much sin in our lives. It, it just choke you. Sin is the transgression of the law. What about that law? You're in Romans, so we might as well flip over that list in Romans 1. All kinds of sin. Just one of them. You know, as you're turning to Romans 1, you know what Jesus said? The Bible says that, the, that God's commandeth all men everywhere to repent. That's a commandment. You know when people don't repent, it's a sin. He's commanded us to believe on His Son, Jesus Christ. That's 1 John 3, 23. When people don't believe on Christ, it's a sin. It's a sin of unbelief. It's a sin of, of no faith in the Savior. In Romans chapter 1, in verse number 21, because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Well, that's a sin. When we don't give glory to God, it's a sin. Neither we're thankful. When, when, when you're not thankful, you've sinned. I'm going to read you something tonight. I hope you'll be back tonight. I'm going to read, read you something from one of our missionaries tonight. Our missionary, one of our missionaries in the Ukraine. He's still over there. And I'm going to read you about what he says has happened in his village. And if it doesn't make you thankful, there's something devilish about you. Russian soldiers taking 10, 11 years old girls and just raping them over and over and then sending them to Russia to be slaves. You think you've got something to be thankful for this morning? You think you've got something to raise your arms to God and say, God, you've been so good to me. You're better to me than you are to most people in the whole world. Thank you. But, oh, that's not what we do because we have such sin in our lives. We can't even be thankful for having some of the best lives in the world. It's a sin. He mentions the sin of homosexuality. Verse 26 and 27, it's a sin. And God says that the people that are engaged in this, they have a reprobate mind. God's given them over to a reprobate mind. We have a society with a reprobate mind. It's wrong. It's sin. It's wicked. And by the way, drop down to verse 29. He gives all these things that transgress the law. 
29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. What a list. You know what we have? We have some people in our days, they say this, and I want to correct this right now. I want you to, I want every Christian to get this down. Some people say, well, all sin is the same. You know, that's not true. Now, all sin is wrong. And it doesn't take a big sin for you to go to hell. It just, you don't have to believe on the Lord. That's sin enough for you to go to hell. But let me tell you what, there are greater sins. There are sins that are worse than other sins. You know how I know? Because Jesus said to Pilate, He that hath delivered me to thee hath the greater sin. It was a sin of what Pilate did to Jesus, but it was a greater sin what the Jews had done with Jesus. Is that, is that scripture? Not every sin requires the death penalty. Being proud is worthy of death. Being proud is wicked. But Jesus didn't say, if you find a proud man, put him to death. He didn't say that. But if you find a murderer, if somebody's murdered somebody, they're to be put to death. The reason that we have such violence is because we have not done what God said to do with the violence. There are greater sins. There are sins you can commit in your marriage that are awful and terrible. But God says there's one sin you can commit that's worthy of divorce and separation. There's, there's different sins that have greater consequences. That's what he said in the book here. You know, there, all of these things are sins in our lives. But you know, he did not destroy cities for being disobedient to their parents. The sin of Sodom was not that they stole things from each other. Are you following me? There are certain sins in our lives that bring greater condemnation in our lives. So what have you gone against the Bible? What have you transgressed that he said you should not do? Maybe you're a whisperer. What a thing to put in that list. Maybe you're full of envy. Maybe you're a boaster. All these things transgress the law. And it spots us and it brings all types of ruin in our hearts and minds. And then we walk into church and wonder why it's not more heavenly. Because we brought so much hell in with us. Go back to our text. No, you won't get that from TV, but. Sin's the problem, guys. And we're all infected. 
But what does the book say? There is not only the destructiveness of sin and the definition of sin we find in our text, but praise God, there's deliverance from sin. Sin doesn't have to have dominion over you. That's what the Bible says. Sin does not have to conquer your life and be in charge of you. You can let Jesus be in charge. But this thing, if you don't let Jesus be in charge of you, then the sin will be in charge of you. Somebody's got to hold on to the reins of your heart. And it'll be the sin or it'll be the Savior. He said in verse number 5 of 1 John chapter 3, he said, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. The Bible says that God was manifest in the flesh. God Almighty became visible in flesh that you could touch him, that you could see him. Why was God manifest in the flesh? To take away your sin. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 26 that He was manifested. He, he appeared to take away our sins. That's why He came. He didn't come to, to get a holiday for Himself. He, he came to remove that power of sin that's on every human being. He said in chapter 1 of 1 John and verse number 2, that manifestation, why did he go through the process of being born of a virgin and being cradled in that manger and living a life of poverty and going through all the things? Because he had his eyes set on that cross. Why did he go that cross? He was manifested to take away your sin. That means he's got deliverance for us. He said in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life, for the life was manifested. And we have seen it and bear witness and shown you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. It was real. People maybe thought God wasn't real or they couldn't understand His person. But when He came down in flesh, God was manifested so you'd know how real He was. And He was manifested so you would have real deliverance. And I would have real deliverance from my sin. And so it wouldn't just be a cliche, it wouldn't just be a religious thing, but no, there would be a cure for my sin. He said in 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. Listen, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death. Brought life and immortality light to the gospel. Peter says, you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of of your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who was verily foreordained, listen, before the foundation of the world but was manifest In these last times for you, God had a plan all the way back there before Adam's sin that he had a cure for our sin, even before the sin was committed. But it was manifest in Jesus. 
was in the heart and mind of God. But when Jesus died on that cross, it was manifest. Now, what was in God's mind to take away your sin is put into reality. He was manifest to take away our sins. Watch it, what he says. And in him, in him is no sin. If you'll get in Jesus, you'll get out of your sin. You can't be in your sin and in Jesus at the same time. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. But you know what? You don't have to die in your sins. You can die in Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Are you in Jesus or in your sin? You're only in one of the two places. Is Jesus in you? Are you in him this morning? You know, he says, think about it. Sin is the transgression of the law, right? Now listen, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. This is judicially true in the mind of God. Sin is the transgression of the law. But what saith the scripture in Romans 6, 14? Ye are not under the law. What does the Bible say in Galatians chapter 3, verse 25? After that, faith is come. You're no longer under a schoolmaster. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But when we come to Christ, we put faith in Christ. We're no longer under the schoolmaster, you see. You know what's great about that? Because Romans chapter 5, verse 13 says, Sin is not imputed where there is no law. You know why those little babies, when they die, they're fine, they're with God. Just like David said, I, I can't bring the child back to me, but I can go to the child. Little babies, look, we're not Calvin. I tell you, that Calvinist doctor is such a damnable doctor. To believe that one baby could go to heaven and another baby go to hell because God didn't choose it. What a damnable thing to believe. No, little babies, sin is not imputed where there is no law. In other words, that little baby doesn't know the law. That little baby's not under the law because that little baby doesn't even know what the law is. They don't even know what, what good and evil are, you see. So there, if there's no law there, the sin is not imputed to the baby, though the baby's a sinner, but there's no law, so the baby can't be guilty. Oh, what a blessedness. You know what, right now before God, I stand before God just like that little baby because he's removed me from the law. I'm not under the law. I'm not under the schoolmaster. I put faith in Christ. I'm in him and there'll be no sin imputed to me because I'm not under the law. I can't transgress something I'm no longer under. Isn't that a blessing? And only getting in Christ will do that. The cure for sin is not to quit sinning. The cure for sin is not to quit sinning. The cure for sin is to get in Jesus. Sinners can't quit sinning. But if you'll get in Jesus, there'll be a part of you that can never sin. We preached about that last time. The law is not made for a righteous man. You said, preacher, you already said we're all sinners, yes. But in Christ, we've been made the very righteousness of God. Now that's the judicial side. 
But Jesus is not only the deliverance from sin judicially, but Jesus is also the deliverance from sin practically. Because look one more time, I'm finished. You've listened well. In chapter 3, verse 6, the Bible says, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. We can sin, we do sin. He started the book telling us so. He said in chapter 1, if you say you've got no sin, you, you, you deceive yourself. But this is what he's saying to us. If you're saved by the grace of God, your sins are not imputed to you. You've got another nature. The Father looks upon you as sinless. But practically in your life, if you will abide in Jesus, you won't sin. Every time we sin, it's because we've gotten away from God. Every time we give in to some area of temptation, it's because we didn't give in to the fellowship of God. And there are consequences to sin. This is all I want to say this morning. If you're not saved, He's the deliverance from your sin. If you are saved, He's still the deliverance from your sin. It's not you having a set of rules necessarily in your life. It's not you uh, having some mental uh, and you're going to will it so. But if you get close enough to Jesus and abide with Jesus, if you walk in the Spirit... You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But when we quit abiding in the Lord, and we quit walking in the Spirit, and when we quit walking with God, we start walking in ways that are sinful. So, we all have a problem. Why don't we go to the one that has the cure for the problem? Or you can be like that sinner man that was witnessed to this week. Everybody's guilty. What does it matter? It does matter. Because Jesus is not a sinner. And Jesus was manifested to take away your sin. Don't let him come here for nothing for you.